on the confidence of mature love. The confidence of mature love. 1 John 4, verse 17. 1 John 4, verse 17. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter down to verse 21. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. <clears throat> Let me just make a couple of comments as we go. Uh, that word perfect there, we would take it as being mature, right? <clears throat> Herein is our love made perfect or mature that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. Now, I'm not going to cover this in the message but a key thought for you here is that as he is, so are we in the world. Right? Your identity is found in Christ, not in the world. You're, you're, you're not dealing with the old you. You're not dealing with your abilities. You're not dealing with your power. You're dealing with the reality of Christ in you and you in him. That's Christianity. Anything less than that is not really Christianity. Anything less than that becomes religion, where I'm doing the best I can. It's tough. It's grim. And a lot of Christians do it. But I'm doing the best I can. No, no, no. Your Christianity is him in you and you in him, this sweet, joyful relationship. I, <clears throat> verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, <clears throat> we'll talk about this idea of having no fear in this relationship with him. There's no fear. Do you know that he loves you and he always will? He always will. He loves you not because of you. He loves you because he is love. And he wants you to know how loved you are. He wants you to understand how loved you are. And when you understand how loved you are, there's no fear. There's no fear when you walk with him. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God Love his brother also. Now, the last two verses there are interesting because they kind of turn a corner. First three verses are talking about this love relationship that we have with God. And then he's talking about the outworking or the demonstration of it. And John's big on this uh, in, in First John here. He's talking about the fact that, yes, all this wonderful love relationship going on between you and God. But if it's true, it's going to show itself with others too. And in a sense, what he does is he makes... Our relationships with others, the litmus test of our relationship with him. So you say you walk close with him. You say you, you enjoy his presence. But then he says, okay, then it should be seen in your relationships with others. That's about for prayer. Father, would you bless us? Lord, <clears throat> we're not good at this thing called love. Uh, Lord, we live in a world that's not good. And that we talk much about it. We long for it. But we're not good at it. Now, blessed spirit of the living God. Would you in this room today do a work that only you can do? Would you take and draw our hearts to you, Lord, that we would know your love, that we would understand that love, that we'd be, we'd be overflowing with that love, and, Lord, that it would find, uh, we would find, rather, Lord, that it's working its way out of us towards others in our relationships. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you undertake for us now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> 
So the confidence of mature love. First of all, if we dwell in love, we will have confidence in the day of judgment. You know, uh, everybody has a natural fear of death. That's just the way it is. Uh, we all have a natural fear. And the reason that natural fear is that, you know, when you find a fear in you, you have to ask yourself, where did it come from? And you can say, well, it's the unknown. Yeah, but it's not just the fact that it's the unknown. Uh, everybody knows that sooner or later we're going to step out of this world and we're going to face God. Now, you say, no, we don't. We don't believe that. We don't know that. No, everybody knows that. Somewhere in their, in their heart of hearts, they know that, right? Uh, somewhere in their heart of hearts, they know. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But you know what? He told himself that, but he doesn't really believe it. You know, because the Bible tells us that, that the, the, the invisible things of God are clearly seen from the things that are made, that God has written it uh, in the skies. He's written it in creation. He's written it in our hearts. You know what? God has shown us that he's here. And all of us know that sooner or later we're going to step out of this world, and sooner or later we have to face God. Now, we, we may shy away from it. Have you ever noticed that when people go to a, uh, go to a funeral, uh, they normally, uh, either during the wake or after the funeral, everybody goes to the pub? Now, doesn't that seem, seem strange? Well, no, you know what people are doing? They're trying to forget. Because, you know, it's impossible to look at somebody who's dead and not to realize, I will be there one day. My life will be over one day. I will be there. And as much as we try to put that away from us, that's the reality. We know it. So in all of us, there's, the, there's an inbred or an in, uh, inside of us, there's a fear of judgment. Now, our society has done much to overturn it and to tell us there is no God and we don't have to be worried about it. We've done much uh, to do that. But you know what? It's impossible. It's there. It's real. There's no way to avoid it. We know it's coming. Now, um, when, when we talk about it as believers, we need to understand this, right? There's no fear in it. Now, we were talking about this in Sunday school. You know, if, if, you were to, if somebody was to walk in and tell you they were going to kill you, well, you wouldn't be happy about that thought. It's not saying there would be no fear of the idea of death because that's, that's, that's real. That's not something you want to face right now. I, I, you, there are all kinds of things, things involved in that pain and all the rest of it that you wouldn't want. But you know, the reality is there's no fear in where I'm going. When I pass out of this world, I'm going to be with him. Because the Bible says uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to, be, I'm going to see Jesus. That's, that's what the Bible tells me. Now, <clears throat> if I know that and I'm sure that, then there's nothing to fear in this thing called death. But if I don't know that, I can put it away from me as much as I possibly can. I can hide from it as much as I possibly can. But the reality is I can't get away from it. It's real. It's coming. There's a day coming when I'm going to have to face him. There's a day coming when I'm going to have to step out of this world. And it's terrifying. I cannot think about it. I can say I don't know about it. But every time I see somebody dead, I'm faced with the reality. Where are they? Okay, but you know what? The <clears throat> um, Bible says that if we dwell in love, we will have confidence in the day of judgment. If we dwell in love, we have confidence rather than fear. Now, what does it mean for you and I to dwell in love? Well, <clears throat> we've talked about it several times. Let me just bring some other thoughts to it. First of all, in, in John chapter 15, you needn't look there. John talks about it as being abiding in Christ. You abide in him and he abides in you branch on the vine. 
It talks about it as abiding in Christ. It's that dwelling in Christ and Christ dwelling in you. It's that reality of a relationship that dominates your life because you're with him and he's with you always. Right? Abiding in Christ. Uh, we, we could talk about it as being walking in the Spirit. Dwelling in love, walking in the Spirit. If you walk close to God, you're going to dwell in his love. Walking in the Spirit, you're going, you're going to have uh, you know, uh, sin uh, challenged and put away in your life, and you're going to walk with him. And you know what? You're going to enjoy the sweetness of that love relationship. Uh, we could talk about it being filled with the Spirit. You're filled with the Spirit. You're dwelling in love. You're, uh, we could talk, talk about it as walking with God. And those things are real. You can enjoy them. You should be enjoying them. You know, as a Christian, as a believer, you should be walking with him in such a way that, you know what, your life is a blessed thing. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go right for you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. But even in the problems, you have him. And that's where the blessing is. You're dwelling in him and he dwelling in you. You're abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in you, right? Um, Now, we also need to understand that judgment is coming. And judgment is truly terrifying. The idea of facing judgment, the idea of facing God uh, is a terrifying thing if you're not walking with him and enjoying him. Let let, let me give you a silly illustration, right? Uh, But it'll help you with it. Imagine you knew a judge. Right? And you uh, were friends with the judge. And you, know, you and him, you, you, you would go and play golf together maybe, or you, know, you would go and have coffee together from time to time. And you just had a good relationship with him. And he would go to your house, and you would go to his house. And you, know, you just hung out together. And, and, and we'll say uh, that, that you had a court case coming up, and that you had been challenged. And, um, but the judge said to you, look, don't worry about it. That, 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 that thing's fine. And I'll tell you how it's going to go. So don't worry. I'm going to be hearing that case, and it's going to go fine. Now, we're not talking about corruption or anything else. We're just talking about uh, you knowing the judge, right? Don't stretch the illustration too far, or you'll ruin it, okay? Uh, okay? Um, but, you know, when you're going in to face that judge, well, you know what? You've been having coffee with him, and you've been talking to him. You're not afraid that he's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. He's basically told you what he's going to do. You don't have fear, do you? You know, <clears throat> believers don't have fear because, you know, what? we're walking with the judge. Now, if you're a believer here this morning and you're not walking with him, you're not dwelling in love, you're going to have issues. You're going to have issues. You're going to question your relationship with God. You're going to be wondering how it goes. You're going to have all kinds of questions and all kinds of issues because you're not walking with him. And you know, the answer, the answer for you is walk with him. Dwell in love. Enjoy that relationship. It's not a work. It's not a duty. It's a privilege that you get to walk with. And when you do, you have no fear of the judge because you know what? He is the judge. You're walking with the judge. The judge is going to indwell you and you're, you're going to be with him. You know, uh, uh, that takes away all the fear of judgment. But there's two judgments coming up. One is the judgment seat of Christ, and that's for believers. Believers only are going to be there, and they're going to receive rewards for what they've done in their lives. That's one. And that, that's going to be a, a joyful day. Maybe a bit scary for some, but it's going to be a joyful day. Right? That's when we get rewards. The other judgment seat is nothing nice about it at all. The other judgment seat is the, uh, is the great white throne judgment. And we find it in Revelation 20. And let me just read it, read it for you. Don't turn there. Uh, let me read you what it says about it. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, if you're a believer, you're never going there. I don't know that you may be a spectator there. The Bible doesn't say it. But you're never going there. You're never going to that judgment. You're never going to that great white throne judgment. But do you know that if you're not a believer and you don't become a believer in your lifetime, you will certainly face judgment then. Certainly. If your name is not written in the book of life, if you're not born again, you're going to face that judgment and that's the reality of it. And you do well to be fearful. God is love. But you know, God's love is such that he will not have anything that's going to tear heaven apart like sin in it. And you know, sin is, sin is going to be somewhere else. It's going to be in hell. And you do well, not because God doesn't love you, because he does love you, and he, and he wants you to, you to come to him. But you do well to be afraid because there's a fearful judgment ahead. But do you know there's an answer? Jesus paid the price. Jesus came and hung on the cross 2,000 years ago to pay the price for your sin. And if you'll trust in him, the Bible says he will save you and take your sin away. He'll pay, pay the price for your sin himself. And you have never to fear hell again. But if you refuse, if you don't want that, if you say no to him, then you're going to end up at that judgment seat of Christ. Now you can say, okay, listen, you know, Pastor Gorman, that's, <clears throat> that's a terrifying story. You're just telling that to, me, to, to frighten me uh, so I'll get saved. And the answer would be yes, that's exactly uh, what I'm doing because that's the most important thing in life for you. That's the most important thing. You see, it's not deceiving somebody if you're telling them truth. It's deceiving somebody when you don't tell them the truth because that's the truth. That's what the Bible says, that everybody on this planet will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. And it's going to be based upon what you've done with Jesus Christ. Not based on how good you are, because you could never be good enough. It's going to be based upon what you've done with Jesus Christ. So if you've come to him and trusted him as your Savior, you have nothing to fear. And if you haven't, you have everything to fear. And I would say to you, listen, fix it today. Get it sorted today. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Let somebody take the Bible and show you how you can be saved today. It's going to be too late when you... Stand at that judgment seat to say, now hang on a minute, I want to change courses now. It's going to be too late then. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. There's only one judgment. Oh, listen, if you're not saved today, then listen, you have something to fear. But you know what? God loves you. You can change it. You can fix it in a moment, in a heartbeat. Now, look at our next verse. If we dwell in love, We have nothing to fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, you know, here we are this morning. We've got a group of believers, mainly most of you are believers. Some may may not be. Uh, Trust, hopefully, uh, you will be before the day is out if you're not a believer. But you're here and you're a believer this morning. And the Bible says to you, there's no fear in love, but Perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, <clears throat> we talk about the fear of the Lord, and we talk about walking in the fear of the Lord. 
what are we talking about here? You know, if you walk close with the Lord and you dwell in him and he dwells in you and you know him intimately, you know what? You're not going to have any fear. There's not going to be any fear there for you because he's in charge. He's in control. Do you know the only people in this world that are truly free are the people who walk like this? Because fear creeps in all the time. Now, there's no other relationship in the world that you could say that you could fix it, that could make you feel this secure. None. Because you know what? Other relationships, human relationships can't do this for you. Human relationships can't make you feel secure. Human relationships can't take away the fear. Why? Because even the best of them end. But you know what? You've got somebody who says he loves you, And he will walk with you through life, through sickness, through death, and through eternity. So that you have nothing to fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. There's nothing to fear in this relationship with him. Some of you are here this morning, and you're saying, hang on a minute, Pastor. You know, I I spent quite a bit of my time afraid. Like, what, what? I'm going to ask you a question. You have to answer for yourself. How close do you walk with him? How close do you actually walk with him? See, if you're not walking close with him, it would be very easy for you to be fearful. And you see, he offers us relationship. He invites us into relationship with him. He offers us relationship. And when we accept it, you know, we can enjoy his presence and fear goes out. But when we walk kind of afar off, that's a problem for us. You know, in Luke 22, and you don't need to turn there, um, Peter, uh, the Lord has been taken. Peter has been warned uh, that, that he was going to deny the Lord. Uh, but he still thinks he's the, he's the man, he's going to do it. But anyway, Peter uh, is following the Lord. And the Bible says this, it says that he walked afar off. And do you know that Peter was terrified because he was walking afar off? And you're always going to be terrified when you're walking afar off. See, <clears throat> people who don't believe, people who are unbelievers, people who don't know uh, <clears throat> they're saved, and uh, they can kind of put it out of their minds somewhat. But you're a child of God. He's very real to you. It's very hard for you to put him out of your mind and out of your heart. It's very hard for you to live as though he doesn't exist. It's very hard for you to live that way. And so what happens is, You can become fearful and caught up in fear. But when you walk with him and he's in charge, fear goes out. See, that's the answer to your fear. The answer to your fear is not fixing all your problems. They'll never be all fixed. Haven't you noticed that? That as soon as you get one problem fixed, another one crops up. As soon as you fix one situation in your life, you have another situation that comes up and bothers you. You've always got, you're always going to have problems in your life. The answer to your problems is not fixing your problems. The answer to your problems is a person. Is walking with a person who can say to you, look, it's okay. Yeah, I know it's tough, but I'm with you. I'm here. It's okay. I, I, I know this is not what you want, but it's okay. I'm here with you. I will help you with it. See, the answer to our problems is a person not getting our problems fixed. Now, if you focus your life on getting your problems fixed, what it'll do is it'll put between you and him very often, and you won't enjoy him. But if you focus 
yourself on him and on your relationship with him and on enjoying that, you know what? You'll find he takes the fears away. You'll find the problems don't go away. The problems are still there. But because he's there with you, there's no fear. He can take the fear away in your life. And you see, that, that's what it's talking about. <clears throat> when we walk in that relationship with him, we're the happiest people on the planet. No matter what's happening in our lives. And when we don't walk closely to him, I think we're the miserable, most miserable people on the planet. I think we're, we're, we're neither... You know, when you've got a Christian who's longing for the world, you know instantly that that Christian is not enjoying what they could enjoy with him. Because why would you want the world if you have this sweet relationship with him? You know, it's not like we're dumb and we just make this choice because it's religion and we have to. No, you know what? The reason we make this choice is because it, it's real and it works and you can enjoy his presence in a sweet and real way. And what it'll do is it'll chase the fear away in your life. Don't walk afar off. Walk close with him. You say, but pastor, I would have to give up some things in my life. There's nothing you would have to give up that he would not replace a hundred times over. Nothing. There's nothing in your life that can offer you peace, joy, happiness, and love like a walk with him. Nothing. So listen, don't walk afar off. If we dwell in love, we have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. Number three, though, if we dwell in love, we are responding to his love. We love him. Our song, I gave it to us. We love him because he first loved us. What does that mean to us? Every relationship in your life uh, is based on a mutual thing, isn't it? You know, uh, I love you if you love me, and if you stop loving me, then I'm not going to love you anymore. I mean, it's just the reality of relationship. It's the reality of humanity. Uh, We're too insecure uh, normally to love when there's nothing coming back. We're just, we're just not like that. You know, we want something coming back if we're ever, ever going to be able to sustain it. Uh, and that's human. But our relationship with him is different. Our relationship with him is very different. You know that he stepped into the arena and declared his love for you on the cross, the maximum uh, <clears throat> that he could do. He, he declared his love for you on the cross why you still hated him when you didn't care. How did he do that? How did he do that? I have no idea. I couldn't do it and you couldn't do it. You know, we talk about loving our enemies and we talk about the things we can do uh, not to hurt them effectively. But he stepped into our lives and loved us even when we didn't care. We love him because he first loved us. What did he require of you in order to love you? Did, did he come and, and give you the list of things he wants you to sign off to before you? No, he didn't. Some people make it out like he did, but he didn't. He just declared his love completely based upon himself. Now, you know what's very natural for us to do? with a love like that, to respond to it. Because we're all longing to be loved. Everybody 
wants to be loved. Everybody desires to be loved. Everybody desires somebody who's going to especially love them. That's what we're looking for. That's what we want. That's why people get married. That's what, you know, often that's why people have children. You know, they're longing for somebody who will especially love them. Everybody. You're not strange or different. You're normal. You're very human if that's what you long for this morning. And you know, the thing about it is that human love falls so far short. Because people at best are people. It's not that they intend to be mean. It's not that they want to hurt you. You know, the reality is, at best, they're people. They will miss it. They will get it wrong. They will sometimes hurt you without knowing it. They will sometimes hurt you uh, purposefully. You know, <clears throat> that's, that's the way it is. If you expect more than that from human relationship, you're going to have a difficult time. Because people make great people, but they make terrible gods. <clears throat> God loves you differently. God loves you based on him. And when you realize that, the natural response is to love him back. That's the natural response to love. Now, we might have a hard time accepting that he loves us because we're so human. But once we understand his love for us, the natural response is to love him back, is to enjoy him is to love him. That's what he wants. He wants you to love him. He wants you to turn to him and to love him back. That, 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 that's what it's all about. God wants relationship with you. Isn't that amazing? It's a whole different message, but that God wants me, that God wants you, yeah. That's reality. <clears throat> but we love him because he first loved us. Now, you know what very often for believers, because we don't get his love for us. We don't love him back. Oh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> if I go around the room and ask you, does God love you? Of course, you're, gonna, you're not going to say no. In, a, <clears throat> in church on a Sunday morning, you, you've read it in the Bible. We've just read it. You know, you know God loves you. But the reality of it is, do you feel it? Do you sense it in your heart? Is it life to you? And oftentimes, if you talk to people, the reality is that what they know and what's in their hearts or what they feel or what's real in their lives is totally different. And you see, I think what happens so often for believers is because we don't understand his love for us. We don't love him back. We might walk in and be afraid of him. Right? You know, we might walk with him and, and, and try to keep him happy. But we don't understand he loves me unconditionally, completely. No area of darkness left. He just loves me completely. I am fully accepted in the beloved. And it's not based upon anything I've done. Sometimes pride wants to make it so that he loves me because, well, I, I did this and this and this. Why wouldn't he love me? And the problem with that is, first of all, it's wrong. But the other problem with that is, if he loves you because of what you've done, then you have to keep doing it to keep his love. And you know what? As consistent as we are, you probably won't keep doing it. And then you know what you're going to feel? Well, the basis of my love relationship with him was, I did this and this and this, and since I'm not doing this and this and this, he doesn't love me anymore. 
But that's not true. The basis of your love relationship with him is nothing of him. That's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, he is praying that they might, they might know the depth and the height and the breadth and the love of God, which passeth understanding. He's praying for them, Lord, reveal. That's why the old time <clears throat> timers used to pray for a baptism of love. By the way, do you know that revival is effectively a baptism of love? You know the song we sing here is Love Vast as the Ocean? That's a Welsh revival song, or it became famous in the Welsh revival. And <clears throat> people would stay in church for hours and hours and hours, and they would sing his praises and weep because they knew how much he loved them. It was just real for them. You see, God's love for you is much deeper and more real than you can imagine. And apart from us understanding that, we're never going to be in the right love relationship with him. God is not waiting on you to fail so he can deal with you. What God is doing is he's loving you and he always will. He always will. If you're his child this morning, there's nothing you can do to stop him from loving you. You can fail him. But you know what? You failed him in the past, haven't you? He doesn't stop loving you because you fail him. Listen, he loves you because he is love. A good thing for us to pray would be for us to go through Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, and say, Lord, help me. Help me to understand your love for me. Because if I don't understand his love for um, for me, and I don't respond to his love, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be looking for love somewhere else, haven't I? I'm going to be looking for somebody, someone, somehow to fill my need, and they can't do it. Only he can do it. I'm going to be walking away from the fountain of living waters, going to the cistern that has a broken cistern and has no waters in it. And I'm going to be a very unhappy person. I'm going to be somebody who's spending my life looking for something that I can't have. And God says, no, come to me. Come to me. Understand my love for you. Great thing for you to do would be for you to come and say, Lord, show me more of your love. Help me to understand your love. Help me to understand the depth of your love for me. Help me to rest in it, relax in it, and enjoy it. And you see, if we were to take Christianity dealing with love, it's all wrapped up there in 1 John 4, verse 19. We love him. Because he first loved us. I think we could say, we love him in the measure that we understand his love for us. If I understand very little of his love, I'm going to love him very little. But when I understand how deep his love for me, it just washes you over you and changes you. Because he loves you. It's real. It's the source of our relationship and our Christian life. Oh, that God would help us to understand it. And then finally, he says this. Now, God is great at putting in tests for us. You know, a test that shows. You know, if you're trying to uh, decide what's in a fluid uh, and you put the litmus into it and the litmus will change colors and tell you what's in the fluid. 
Yeah? Yeah, you've seen that. This is a litmus test for us. This is something that actually shows us where we are in our relationship with him. Because here's what God wants to happen, right? Uh, God wants you to understand his great love for you. And for you to be filled and overflow with his love for you. And then uh, he wants you to love him back. And in that, you're going to have this flow going on so that you're full. And then, you know what, listen, when you're full to overflowing with his love for you and your love for him, you know what, you've overflow all around you. It's just natural. It's not something that you have to concentrate and focus on. The fruit of the Spirit is fruit that, the, that you bear because the Spirit of God fills you. you know, when, when it comes to you loving, it's not something you practice doing. You know, you may be kind and you may, you, may, you may practice treating people well and that would be a good thing to do. But you know what? That's not the same thing as loving people. Loving people is something that overflows because you're deep in that love relationship with him. Right? Let's read the verses. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God uh, whom he hath not seen? And this, command, this commandment we ha- have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Right, so the proof that we're dwelling in love then is that we are loving others. Now, let me ask you to be honest with yourself. <clears throat> How are you doing as far as this one is concerned? How are you doing as far as loving the brethren is concerned? You know, now look, I, I'm sure you can tell me all the people that don't love you. But you know what? That's not the, the issue. If God were to tell you who he loved based upon who loved him, there'd be very few of us, wouldn't there? In fact, there wouldn't be any, would there? Uh, Because we love him because he first loved us. So when it comes to you loving the brethren, it's not based upon how they love you. It's based upon how he loves you and his love flowing through you. So let me ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing in this area of love? You know, if we apply the litmus test, if we put the litmus test into your life, and if we ask it, and by the way, you know, he doesn't say uh, in the verses here, he that hateth not his brother. He says we're to love him. We're supposed to love our brother. Yeah, it's not enough for you not to hate. Don't we sometimes say, okay, well, I I, I will not hate him. We're supposed to love him. It's a positive thing. Right? So let, let's narrow it down some. Right? So you've got some people in your life and they're easy to love because they're nice to you, right? <clears throat> that's great. Everybody needs some people in their life that are easy to love, uh, that, 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 that are good. And that, that's great. That's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. But then you've got some other people in your life that are not easy to love. And they're your brethren. You know, you may be in a marriage relationship, you know, where you're having a difficult time and you're having a hard time uh, loving the other side of that relationship. You may have a child. You may have a parent. You may have a uh, so, someone of the brethren that just, you know what, they just, they just make it hard for you. Now remember, the question is not, do you not hate them? The question is, do you love them? It's a positive thing. You see, if the love of God is flowing into you and you're loving him back, this relationship is going to be so that it flows out. 
in love to others. And you're going to find yourself living on a supernatural plane. You're going to find yourself doing the impossible. You're going to find yourself doing that which is just not possible. And you know one of the areas we, we accept a real low level of Christianity is this area here. One of the areas, what we do is we look at each other and we take our cue from each other. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to love the brethren. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Now, <clears throat> we're not going to have an invitation and have everybody who doesn't love the brethren <clears throat> uh, come up here at the end of the service, all right? Uh, that would be a hard invitation, wouldn't it? Uh, that would be a tough one. That'd be good for us to actually get honest uh, and deal with it. <clears throat> but we're not going to do that anyway, right? But, but here's what I do want you to do. I do want you to be honest with yourself. Yeah, God desires honesty in the inward parts. God desires honesty in your heart. Are there people in your life, and you would have to say, I'm not asking you to do any more than this right now, you would have to honestly say, I do not love them. I do not love that person. <clears throat> Could you be that honest with yourself? Could you be that honest and say, I do not love that person, right? Don't go tell them, right? <clears throat> you don't even need to tell anybody else, but you need to get honest with yourself. And then you need to say, Lord, what's wrong? What's wrong? Don't go fixing it. Don't go fixing it in the flesh and trying to make it happen in the flesh and trying to, uh, you know, take this person and you're going to make things right with this person and, you know, whatever it takes, you're, you're, you're going to make it happen. You might end up in a worse fight than you are in now. You need to say, Lord, what's wrong? Why is there not love that overflows? Lord, why is there not that love that overflows in my life? And you need to seek the answer in your relationship with him. Because that's where the love comes from. You don't got it. You just don't got it. There's enough irritations and bothers in this life to tear you apart. You just don't got it. It's got to be his love flowing through you. But you know what? If Christianity is real, then this has got to be real too. You know, we're going through the, the, the book of First John. And listen, you know, I'm almost embarrassed. Every message I come to is on love as we go through First John. You know what? Obviously, the Holy Spirit thought somewhere along the line uh, he needed to include a whole book on this thing. Now, you know why? Because we're not very good at it. You know, <clears throat> we listen, we can legitimize and justify and we can do all kinds of things to make it look good and make ourselves feel good and excuse ourselves from bare, clear, black and white commandments. And we're fooling ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. I am sure there's somebody in your life this morning that you're having a hard time with. I am sure there is. Why don't you deal with that person before the Lord? And let the Lord show you what to do. Let's stand for prayer.
Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for the <clears throat> reality and the might and the power. And, Lord, I am sure that every one of your children in this room knows something of that love. Well, Lord, we may not know enough. We may not understand it in the deep way that we could and should. But, oh, Lord, I'm sure that everyone here knows something of that love and everyone here has experienced it in some sweet way. Now, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for loving us and we ask you, Lord, would you let us know the fullness of that love? Would you let us understand it in a deep and real way that we might love you as we ought? And then, Lord, would you demonstrate that love relationship between you and us in letting it overflow, Lord, beyond us and touching others, that others might see your love and know that it comes from you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Just as you stand there, would you do business with God? Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment when the Spirit of God is working. Ask him to take and do that work in your heart to bring you into that relationship with him that overflows in love to others. Now, Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to us. We do ask you, Lord, that you would make it real, that you would demonstrate your might and your power uh, in our hearts and our lives. Lord, show us uh, <clears throat> your power, Lord, uh, in revealing your love and all, Lord, that we might love others as you do. And Father, we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.